good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, depending upon where you are on this rotating globe. Welcome to another edition, the Halloween edition, the hyperdimensional Halloween edition of The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, this should be very interesting, very, very interesting. As I was kind of putting some of the show together this afternoon, I I happened upon something. I was looking for something else because NASA had done something really cool in the way of a little short video, which was a cartoon, an animated cartoon from the space station where, uh, you know, they had a Halloween theme and an astronaut who looked very much like uh, Buzz Lightyear. Uh, there's a new trailer out, by the way, on the on the Lightyear project from Disney, which looks really interesting. Anyway, so they had this Buzz Lightyear type guy, astronaut floating in the space station. It's, remember, it's all animated. And the little girl asks him, you know, oh, are you ever scared? And of course, you know, Buzz Lightyear, you know, personification. No, we're never, you know, and then this big ghoulish thing comes up on the uh, windows of the cupola behind him. And anyway, I wanted to play that. And I went looking for it this afternoon because I'd seen it on NASA TV last night. After we got off the air, I went and tried to find updates on the SpaceX launch of the crew number three to the space station. And this came up and I thought, oh, that'd be really cool to play. And it was completely missing. It's nowhere on the NASA website. I mean, they've got something there from 2014. They've got, you know, really cool animated thing from 2012, but nothing from 2021. So anyway, in the process of doing that definition of serendipity, I found something even more intriguing and frankly, directly relevant to tonight's theme, which is a hyper-dimensional Halloween. So before we get to all that, for those of you who are new to the program, if you're listening to us, you're obviously on the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, or you're listening to one of the terrestrial affiliates that we've got. We've got a couple. Uh, George Nori has 600, yet we're right behind him in the uh, TalkStream Live uh, poll or... Uh, uh, statistics or uh, uh, ratings or whatever you want to call it, which is not bad. I mean, we're all over the world, 190 plus countries. So apparently we are more than holding our own. Anyway, for those of you who are new, what you want to do is go to tonight's banner, which says very dramatically, because uh, John uh, uh, Womack actually created the banner, um, a hyperdimensional Halloween with all our guests and this very nice uh, uh, double tetrahedral figure and the rotating windows to other dimensions. And you wanna click on that, that will take you to the guest page. And right under the guest page, you will see uh, fast links to items. Click on my name, that takes you to item number one. Again, we're featuring at the top of the news, La Palma, the increasingly weird and kind of, um, shall we say, uh, uh, cautionary volcano, which has been erupting now on the island of La Palma for at least the last five weeks. Um, there have been some new developments. If you click on that link, it will take you 
to those new developments, and I will, in fact, read to you what it says. Just as we reported the quakes have been less intense recently, a strong magnitude 4.6 tremor, one of the strongest since the start of the crisis, hit the island at 34 kilometers depth 20 minutes ago at 5.52 p.m. This is, of course, La Palma time, which is way ahead of us. Probably, uh, you know, six hours, seven hours ahead of mountain. I haven't looked lately. The quake, they continue, was widely felt all over the island. This is for uh, today. Dense fog, volcanic fog, is filling the Adrian Valley uh, due to an inversion layer in the atmosphere trapping the erupted ash and gas flume. People are advised to use masks to protect themselves from the fine particles and bad air quality. Um, And then, earlier uh, this afternoon, they said the latest information from the government reads that the seismic activity is on the decrease while magma output remains very elevated. Emissions of sulfur dioxide have been decreasing for the fifth day in a row, although they also remain very elevated. On the contrary, emissions of volcanic CO2, that's carbon dioxide, have increased. And this is what what's interesting. All this suggests no near end of the eruption. The increase of CO2 could be an early warning sign that more magma has arrived at depth as this gas is one of the first to escape. And anyway, you can read more. Lightning is more frequent. Scientists at Involcan documented several volcanic lightning seen in the eruption column. Over the past days, these have become more frequent. This goes along with the observed increase in explosive behavior at the vents. More material is being fragmented into ash as opposed to lava fountains, and the resulting particles are finer as well. Anyway, you can read that all for yourself. The reason, again, that we're calling attention to La Palma is because there is a small chance that the worst possible catastrophe in modern history could occur, and half of the island could slide into the Atlantic, resulting in a mega-tsunami which would spread out like a huge set of ripples across the North Atlantic Basin and into the South Atlantic Basin, and all of the exposed coastlines could experience such enormous inland flooding, in some cases 30 or 40 miles, if not more, that it is estimated that if that were to happen, the worst-case scenario, which is not zero, the probability is low, but it's not zero, which is why you want to plug this app into your phone and have it on speed dial so that when you get a seismic alert, your phone rings. You need to have a go bag packed, and you need to get out of Dodge if you're anywhere along the coastlines, and up to 100 million people are in these regions. So pay close attention. I have been dogging my brother uh, who lives along the coast, and uh, he's watching very carefully. He's got the, the bags packed, and he's got the thing on his phone, and they're watching. Um, item number two. Um, I I ran into this a a day or so ago, and I thought it was so interesting, because one of the things we're going to talk about tonight, given the the, the theme of Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, um, All Saints' Day, followed by All Souls' Day in the Catholic Church, um, this is supposed to be the time when the veil 
the demarcation, the boundary, the barrier, the dimension between dimensions is thinnest of any time during the year. And I'll get back to that in a moment. Um, that being the case, um, one of the things we're going to talk about tonight is reincarnation. And Scott is back with us, Scott uh, de la Tambra, and he has brought some recordings. So we're going to hear actual hypnotic regressions of several people. Uh, and I will let Scott do a more appropriate introduction at the uh, appropriate time. But that could be really interesting. Anyway, this article, which appeared in the UK in U Magazine, um, the title of which is, I was dragged by an invisible force. What happens after death? And there is a very modern, up-to-date kind of uh, review of the uh, state of the art of the current research into um, out-of-body experiences, past lives, reincarnation, people who believe that they, you know, clinically die, but they go somewhere else and then they don't die. They, they basically come back. And they remember things that they uh, should not be able to remember from when they were, you know, not here. Where were they? Well, that's the subject of the article, and it's actually quite interestingly done, and I recommend it. Now, item number three. This is the serendipity that occurred while I was uh, looking for the NASA link that I could not find. This was just released the last couple of days by the agency. It's a Hubble image of a red giant star located about 400 light years away called C.W. Leonis. And what's really interesting is that uh, when you look at this photograph, and you can, of course, click on uh, the various representations uh, and get much bigger versions of the image, uh, there's uh, download options, there's a full-res version, so you can kind of, you know, play around with the site. But what's interesting is to look at the details of the dust cloud that is shining around this red giant star. Now, red giant stars, in terms of contemporary astrophysics, are the fate of a star, uh, the mass of the sun, and maybe a couple of solar masses uh, larger. And what happens is they don't explode as exploding stars as supernovae, but they expand enormously to where um, the sun someday will expand out to where its uh, outer envelope will extend beyond the orbit of Mars, which is 140-some million miles away from the center of the sun. And when that happens, there will be an awful lot of carbon ejected because of the uh, nuclear reactions going on in the center of the star, which are churned up by convection and then released in the extended stellar atmosphere as these dust clouds. Well, if you look at this image, this Hubble image, there are several remarkable features. For one thing, it looks like a tunnel. It looks like a vortex. For another, there are these beams of light, which are not caused by diffraction uh, in the mirror or optical system of Hubble, these are actually present in the nebula, and they come and go, get this, with a periodicity of about 15 days. Now, for something that's random, you know, a, 
extended star is ejecting shells of uh, gas and dust, you would not expect regularity. So that's an interesting indicator of something going on. The other thing is if you look carefully at that image, that gorgeous image, which uh, um, the agency likens to a spider web, and for me, it looks like a tunnel. In fact, it looks a lot like the kind of tunnel that some of these uh, uh, near-death experiencers describe when they uh, regain consciousness and are kind of debriefed by the doctors and nurses on staff who have now kind of come to taking this very seriously, even if they haven't a clue as to uh, the origin of these very parallel stories, which, by the way, are parallel regardless of the culture in which the patients are living in. In other words, Hottentots and, you know, Swedes and Russians and, uh, uh, you know, Arabs all reporting very similar near-death phenomenon, which says something about the universality of the uh, uh, of whatever's going on and the fact that it isn't culturally driven. It's not based in whatever culture you grew up in. Anyway, so to me, that looks like one of those tunnels described by some of these stories. But the most intriguing thing to me, notice as you go down toward the heart of the vortex, toward the center of that set of rayed points of light, which are not in the telescope, they're really in the nebula, there are straight edges to the nebula. It is, in other words, geometric. In fact, it looks somewhat like the hexagonal geometry around the north pole of Saturn, which we've discussed at great length on this show and in some papers I published some years ago having to do with hyperdimensional physics going on inside Saturn. Well, what's interesting is that the dust, the carbon dust, which is a very hyperdimensionally reactive material element, you know, look at diamond, look at uh, look at carbon chains themselves, look at buckyballs, look at look at fullerenes. So the dust over a scale of you know light years is forming these straight edges of a standing wave ringing geometry of some kind of field in space interacting with the dust, the carbon dust, kind of like dye in a stream, like red dye in a, in a clear stream where you can see where the currents are flowing because the dye shows you how the currents are moving. Think of this dust as kind of dye in the torsion field, the invisible field surrounding all stars. Like the Egyptians said, stars are doorways. Doorways to what? Well, doorways to other dimensions. And in fact, um, well, that's going to probably be part of our extended discussion this evening. Um, just look at that image and think of it as a hyperdimensional doorway to some place else. The reason, and this is kind of like the summation of where we are at the moment, the reason I think October 31 is the thinnest veil between dimensions when things that go bump in the night can go bump in our nights is because of all the times 
of the annual Earth's orbit of the sun. This is the one night when we are at 45 degrees between the huge black hole in the center of the galaxy and the sun alignment and Earth moving toward that winter solstice alignment. And remember, going and coming in the physics are not symmetrical. I believe the physics of the solar system, the hyperdimensional physics basically laid out in the carbon dust of a star that's dying 400 light years away, is happening also in this solar system, except there's no dust to track what's going on. It's people's experience and the fact that cultures all over the world believe that this time of year, which was known to the Celts as Samhain, in fact is when that veil, that dimensional boundary, is most transparent and communications and messages and something can come through. That's the setup for our conversation of the rest of the morning. So let me introduce my guests and in no particular order. We have some new people tonight. We have some familiar people. And so as I kind of scan down the list, uh, Natalie Jones is with us. She is the co-founder and president and CEO of Paraflix Inc. Paraflix Paranormal, a streaming network platform for original and licensed series, documentaries, film, and production creators of the paranormal, supernatural, cryptid, UFO, extraterrestrial, universe and beyond, thriller, horror, and similar genres. And you can read the rest of her bio there, but uh, uh, she is with us. Uh, right behind her in line, Aaron Dragonsong is a modern mystic, a psychic, a channeler, a prophet, an author and teacher, and a pioneer in the field of evolutionary spirituality, the elevation of the earth through each individual spiritual awakening within the framework of nature's spirituality and the sacredness of being embodied. And again, you can read on the other side of Midnight website, her full bio, which goes on for many paragraphs. She's done a lot of interesting stuff. All our guests have. have. Um, now back for, I forget what show this is, but uh, Maria Wheatley is back. Maria, as you may remember from previous appearances, is a second-generation dowser who was taught by European master dowsers, her late father, and Chinese geomance. She is a leading authority on geodetic earth energies, ley lines, and stone circles, and is an accomplished author of books on sacred sites and dowsing. And in 2015, she made a major discovery, which we will talk about later in the show. Uh, Scott uh, De Tamba is with us. Scott De Tamba is a clinical hypnotherapist in Southern California. He specializes in past life regression and life between lives spiritual regression. And for the past 20 years, he has dedicated himself to guiding thousands, I mean, literally thousands of clients to a deeper understanding of their eternal soul and their current life's mission. And last but not least in this uh, first hour segment, 
Jonathan Wolvac is back with us. Jonathan began leaving his body in the fall of 1965 at the age of six. A year later, after watching an episode of The New Adventures of Superman, Jonathan assumed a ghostly version of the Man of Steel for his astral excursions, a practice that continues to this day. Jonathan receives alarm signals from people on the physical plane as well as the spiritual realms and has learned how to move heavy objects, travel into the past, and visit the home of souls. He's also a producer, and he uh, associate produced tonight's program because without Jonathan, we would not have been introduced to at least two, actually three, of our new guests. So without further ado, let me welcome everyone to the other side of midnight. Hi, guys. Hi, Richard. Okay. Hi, Richard. Hi there. Jonathan, you're still very much down in the... Down in the mud. I can barely hear you. Ah, it's the torsion field again. Well, it's, it's Halloween. Maria, I want to go to you first because I think that you're probably best situated, both from your background, uh, your, your your study of, of the sacred sites, these extraordinary monuments spread all over uh, Europe, <clears throat> as well as your own predilections. Talk about Halloween. Talk about Samhain and why we all all over the world seem to think that this time, this night, actually it's it's a window, it's a couple of days, is a unique time in terms of dimensionality and the connections between worlds. Yes, uh, it's a very interesting time. And to our ancient Celtic ancestors, it was the Celtic New Year. Uh, And we're on New Year's Eve at this moment in time. And it's a time when it's not the past and it's not the present. So to to the ancient Celts, it was in the in-between world, a twilight zone. A, A time when supernatural beings could come through as well, because in tradition, you couldn't harvest anything after this day because if you did then a being like a hobgoblin a a puka a nighttime shapeshifter would torment you. So it's a time when you can go to sacred sites because like you mentioned earlier, the veil is very thin and you can communicate to the ancestors as well. And if you imagine places like Stonehenge and other places in Ireland, they have alignments to uh, the sacred day Uh, to a sunrise or to a a sunset, for example. And that makes it even more of a portal. It makes that kind of the the land itself very powerful. So the the ancient sites as well are in resonance. And when we're in resonance with the day, it's like a, a match. Also in Celtic mythology, it was a time when kings would uh, often die on this day or they would give themselves to, to the day. So that's also uh, wrapped up in the, the supernatural being of, of a king, of a kingship of, uh, of, of the Celtic landscape. And even the Battle of Britain, uh, a modern day event, as it were, uh, the air fight started on uh, the 10th of July, I think, and ended on the 31st of October. So it's a, it's a date when we can really connect with the past and with the present. So, for, for example, one of the alignments that I discovered at the world's largest stone circle at AV 
Avebury Henge, which I know you're very familiar with, Richard, and have done uh, measurements on torsion fields there. I discovered that two of the massive standing stones at the entrance stones to Avebury Henge, their shadow lines co-join, for example, and create this massive black uh, shadow line. And as you pass that shadow line, you'd go into the into the light, into the light of the stone circles. So I think when we look at ancient sites, we need to look at the shadow lines on these days. We no, need to look at where the light falls on these days and uh, explore, explore the site of what we want for the Celtic New Year. So in my tradition, I'm a, I'm a Druid, as you know, I've been trained in Druidry of this landscape. It's about what do we want for the year ahead and focusing on that on this eve because the eve was very important to, to the Celts uh, the day started in the evening actually so we're, we're at the beginning of the day and in Celtic uh, mythology and today's modern aspect of it is what do we want to manifest in the year ahead because when the veil is very thin you can lead your way into the new year so this is a time of concretization, because in, in, in astrology, which of course we now know, I know, is hyperdimensional. You know, it's how the field is modulated by things in three dimensions, planets moving around, rotating, spinning. Um, this, the, the squares, the 90 degree angles are really important. They tend to make things real in three dimensions. But this is a 45 degree angle. This is halfway between a 90 and an alignment. And so it's, it's listed as a semi, um, um, I forget what the term would be, um, semi aspect, I guess. But in some sense, it said that the, this particular time, this particularly 45 degree angle uh, is, is really about internal connections. And I was intrigued by what that might mean. Yes, I mean, it's uh, astrologically, it's timed when, you know, the sun is at 15 degrees of uh, Scorpio. And it's, it's about uh, Samhain, about letting go of the past as well, letting go of, you know, failures, fears, and anything like that. Letting that go and walking into the new year with, with what you want to do. And this is why our ancient ancestors created certain sites that align to uh, to Samhain sunrise or sunset. Uh, in Ireland, for example, on uh, a hill called uh, the Hill of Ward, all of the uh, sacred fires of Samhain, because in tradition you're, you would light a massive fire and uh, the, you would prepare for a feast on this eve as well and drive cattle, your cattle in times past uh, through that fire. But on the Hill of Ward, in, in Irish mythology, all of the fires of Ireland would be kindled from that sacred flame on that hill. And it's not that far from the Hill of Tara as well, where you have a massive uh, Khan, uh, a Neolithic 5,500-year-old mound 
called the Mound of Hostages, and the chamber would be illuminated by the sunrise on this day. So a very uh, important priest, a high priestess or a high priest, would be in that khan, and they would receive the light of the sun on that day and pass it on to, to others as well. So all of these sites, they kind of come alive. And if they're on lays or earth energies, that energy of the sun illuminates the uh, lay, sends energy, solar energy into the lay, and that passes it on to other sites that are on that line as well. So you'd have like a mother site on the Samhain alignment, and that would pass the energy on to site after site after site. Hmm. Okay, we're at the bottom of the hour. My guests this morning are too numerous to mention, so uh, you can go to the website and we'll be calling them in, in turn by their first names and getting to know some of the newcomers. And this is our hyperdimensional Halloween, and we're going to be covering, uh, mixing our metaphors madly, the waterfront. You're on the other side of midnight. It is the night of October 31st. It is the time when the veil is thinnest and the dimensions are open, and frankly, anything can happen. We shall return. ago that says, am I being selfish? And I said, absolutely, but I'm not doing this for me. I'm doing this for my grandchildren and my grandchildren's children. I see the loss of rights and freedoms. I've lived long enough to know what's happened here, and I cannot stand back and simply comply. I'm going to resist those measures with everything that I have, uh, emotionally, psychologically, physically, legally. I cannot allow our rights and freedoms to be taken from us. We have to stand up for them. This is where I say that we have to become adults. We have to stand up for our rights and freedoms. We can't ask for them. We have to demand that they be honored and respected. is part of the strategy of totalitarian tiptoe. We just keep encroaching on you and it's just a little bit worse than it was yesterday. And most people don't see it, but we see it. And that's why this program and the work that you guys are doing is so important.
Hi, this is Ted Kunz from Vaccine Choice Canada. I just want to reach out and express my gratitude to other side of the news for all that you guys are doing to empower humanity and bring us to a higher state of consciousness. Uh, the time that we shared together was a real pleasure, rich conversation, and I know that all of you are uh, higher conscious beings who are uh, part of the solution. I just want to express my gratitude to Cynthia, Timothy, and Aneta, and your program, The Other Side of the News. You guys are great. everyone to the other side of midnight for this Sunday night, October 31st. Happy hyperdimensional Halloween. So let's return to our guest, Maria. Thank I, I have one more question and I want to move on. Have you been able to do any physical measurements of any of the sacred sites during this Halloween window, which covers like, you know, 36 hours, 24 hours, whatever? Um, and have you found anything unusual? Because I would love to bring the Akatron to measure Stonehenge like Robin and I did many years ago and uh, got some very amazing readings, but it was at no particular time of the year. I'd have to actually go back and look and see when we were there. But I'm just wondering whether there is something we could detect in the field that is different about this night, this window than any other time. Yes, uh, the, the, I've done a, a few tests, you know, all of the uh, cross quarter days and the, the quarter days. An interest in one was uh, close to the sanctuary, which is a part of the Avebury complex. It's a small stone, it was a small stone, concentric stone circle on the top of Overton Hill. Today it's just marked by concrete markers because it was destroyed in 1724 by farmers. So we imagine a concentric stone circle of quite blue sarsen stones. Within the centre of that, we were measuring uh, at Samhain the uh, background ionising radiation, which suddenly flared up uh, inside uh, quite inexplicably. Mm. And a low... A local druid uh, who's recently passed, uh, God love him, uh, our archdruid of Avebury, Terry Dobney, when he was leading uh, a ceremony, because we still have neo-modern-day uh, druids, still have ceremonies at these ancient sites. I was at Avebury today and there was a ceremony. Uh, he was at the center of the, the sanctuary with uh, 13 others. It's tradition uh, uh, to do it with 13 other people. And he, he was a large guy. He was like a bear guy. And he levitated at the center of the, the wait, circle. Wait, he what? He levitated off the ground. Lifted off the ground? Yes. Did anybody, get, the ground. did anybody get video? Nobody got oh, the video, unfortunately. Don't. I know, I know. When is your mobile phone? Oh, yeah, when you need it. Pockets. 
<laughs> it's yes. always in the pocket when you need it. Uh, and Terry li- lifted off the ground, and uh, he's a very down-to-earth person. He said that happened to him. So we know that radiation changes. Also at Silbury Hill, uh, we recorded the electrostatic field suddenly surged up on on the summit of Silbury Hill at uh, midday on Samhain as well. So, so the whole background uh, seems to change. And also, uh, as a druid, we believe that our own psychic powers expand at this day for divination and, and other things alike as well. So, uh, so yes, some interesting things have, have occurred uh, in, in this area. Earth lights or Balls of light, plasma balls of light are often seen around Stonehenge, Avebury, Castle Rig, and many other sacred sites as well have been uh, well, you, recorded. You, you, you got to say, Maria, that <clears throat> levitation in front of witnesses, mm. and nobody had a camera. And nobody had a camera. That's absurd. So. In this day I and know. age, that's absurd. Okay. I know. Uh, it was at night as well. It would have been a bad recording, I would imagine, even if you did have a, a top-of-the-range iPhone. But yes, Well, that's not if power. you had an infrared filter. Remember, you can yeah, take if... thermal infrared now at night, and they're crystal clear. Anyway, nobody True. had a camera. That's really disappointing. Nobody had a camera. Okay. Um, uh, obviously, at some point in the future, I have got to go and measure this stuff with the Accutron because, again, it's these correlative physics measurements together with the theory, which says that this uh, cross-quarter of all of them should be most significant because you're coming around the bend to the alignment with the four million solar mass rotating 11 times per second black hole at the center of the galaxy. And that's the biggest hyperdimensional thing, except for the sun, going on in our neighborhood, if you can think of your neighborhood something like 26,000 light years away. Okay, Aaron, I, I, I want to come to you next because obviously you're a Wiccan. Obviously you're immersed in this. How did you wind up on the other side of midnight tonight? <laughs> That's a really good question. Uh, I think Jonathan's the one who could answer that more clearly than well, I Well, I, it was actually a broader question. How did you get involved in Wicca? And that obviously led you where you are tonight. But in other yep. words, this is this is not kind of a mainstream religion. This is not for everybody. What got you intrigued? You know, it's one of those turning point, you know, alarm clock moments of life. Oh, where goody, goody. It, I love those. <laughs> I woke up one morning when I was 23 and my sister-in-law slash best friend slash housemate didn't wake up. Oh. And she... She died and nobody could ever find out why. And, you know, I had really been stuck in the very mental state of mind at that time, very 3D consciousness. And when that happened, it's just like, well, I woke up and I thought, there's what is life about if you can just all of a sudden you're just not here at such a young age, too, with her whole life ahead of her. So it just um, started this process of exploring spirituality in a really serious way. I mean, I'd always had experiences as a child, and I grew up in a very you know, uh, ghost-ridden house. To, um, you mean literally? Ghosts were very much a big part of our family story and experience, magic, miracles, um, le- things levitating, poltergeists. There was I could tell you some stories 
there are some really crazy stories. So it was always sort of a natural thing in my family, even though we didn't, uh, we had no idea how to work with our, our psychic skills or our magical skills or anything of that nature. But we did have that opening and... So you were like 21st century, 20th century strangers in a strange land. You're in a landscape, but you don't really understand why it's going on, but it's going on around you. Wow. Yeah. Very much like that. And I wanted to know, you know, I, I learned at a very young age that we are not being told what's going on in the world. We're told, you know, like when, when you step out of time or you shift consciousness or you experience these things that people are saying are not real and cannot happen you you start to go okay well what they're telling me is real is obviously not real so what is real what is the potential of humanity what's going on what's really going on and that's what took me into this exploration and wicca in particular i was just drawn to in fact i started out sort of more on the shamanic path the native spirituality path until i got my wrist slapped for being a you know very very white girl um culturally appropriating <laughs> so and I, I that was a new term to me and i thought oh okay they said you know i was told why don't you look up your own tradition and i mentioned this to my brother like what's my own tradition what is that christianity like please save me mm-hmm. My brother's like, well, as a matter of fact, you do have a, a sort of a nature tradition, and it's called Wicca. And that was the launching. That's ah, the launching Interesting, interesting. Okay, let thing- me, let me, I, I'm, I'm going to come back to you because I want to kind of introduce everybody who's new so that the audience can kind of relate to what you're going to say in a little while. Natalie, you're up next. A, how did you get into the paranormal? And then how the heck did you wind up running a paranormal streaming company online all over the world well thank you so much for having me i you know i'm very much into energy and consciousness and awareness and i uh, personally have uh you know started this journey since i have a you know a conscious uh, memory and for me you know I have really come to a point where I'm starting to connect more and more dots because everything really is interconnected and it is, um, everything is energy. I am a Reiki master. I am a, uh, an author. I've written a book called Awaken the Higher Self, Bringing Darkness to Light. And I know that everyone has an experience or a memory when they are a, a child that though they may not have a conscious awareness at the time it is a direct indication of their life purpose soul mission everyone can think back to that aha moment and for me i had a very profound experience when i was a child the moment that i could uh you know that i could re- uh, recollect and it's not that we uh we become a certain way Yes, our experiences shape our perceptions and our reality profile, but really it's the other way around. You have a specific uh, monumental experience because of who you are or per se uh, a direct indication of your life purpose and soul mission. And I have, you know, we are in 
have the perception of linear time here in the third dimension. And so over the course of my of my years, you know, growing up, I really pushed that experience out because, you know, we were so conditioned and programmed uh, as a society to really, you know, think and, and be a certain way. And once I got to a point where I really started to open up um, and reconnect with spirit is when everything just started, uh, you know, full force, speed ahead, like, here we go. And it's almost as if everything has just fallen in line so quickly. I know that we, you know, we are here to learn. We are here to become beings of unconditional love. So I do a lot of practice with um, helping others through uh, through healing uh, naturally, through you know uh, light energy with with my Reiki practice and as a dark energy healing facilitator, similar to a shaman, you know, working with um, what I would refer to as burden regression therapy, implementing kinesiology and identifying these different sources around us, basically bypassing the human consciousness in order to connect um, and communicate directly with spirit because, you know, everything is interdimensional, transdimensional. Um, our, our inner self is merely just a portion of our higher self package. And it's it's a, a very highly in, intelligent, refined matter being and so when we're able to elevate our heart center and reconnect and open up our second site our third eye our pineal gland to these gateways to these dimensions that are right here now what is what was what will be you know there's limitless possibilities and that's exactly how paraflix came about (laughs) Mm. if that makes sense well you're you're obviously trying to democratize the phenomena you're trying to open it up to quote more and more people who may be closed off or you know kind of think of it as silly or be unaware or you know just basically ignorant there's tremendous amounts of stuff flowing around the internet and no one can keep track of even a tiny fraction of what's going on absolutely and uh, paraflix is dedicated to the paranormal the universe and beyond and there's nothing else out on the market like it. It is an SVOD, just like Discovery Plus, Amazon Prime, and Shutter, those sorts of things. So you can download the app and stream directly on your TV. And all of this content is exclusive, and you're correct. It, it really goes into really great um, areas and genres in detail to bring all of this information forth. It's real. And we're so lucky to have Jonathan Womack the OBE show, uh, Mind World Entertainment on Paraflix <laughs> as well, which is... <laughs> John, the check is you know, in the mail. <clears throat> yes, yes. And, and so it's it's really phenomenal. It's almost as if it's, it's you know, divine. It's meant to be on a, a very universal scale. And it's just grown wings of its own. It's beautiful to, to watch, you know, all of the amazing buzz, uh, really see that light bulb go off for a lot of people. And, and yes, you're right. You know, this is, it's meant to be a universal platform to help uh, elicit awakening on a global scale, ascension and reconnect with spirit and start to pay attention to things outside of our daily routine and interactions and be be more aware and in that walking meditation and and find that that spiritual place again so that we can identify these different energies that are around us whether it just be a residual energy or maybe 
uh, an intelligent energy or an interdimensional, transdimensional. You know, there's so much that we don't know. It's just like a speck of sand. So, you know, lastly, I just I I am very eager to to know to learn because I I know that all of this knowledge that we have is meant to be used as wisdom for the for the greater good for the greater consciousness the universal one and when we um, you know categorize that yes there's there's knowledge that we know then there's knowledge that we know there's more to it you know per se like the rabbit hole and then there's <laughs> off-grid knowledge that we don't even know that we don't yeah even see know. i prefer the vortex as opposed to the rabbit hole <laughs> yeah the vortex that's like perfect. like like that incredible hubble image of that star i mean it's so it's so graphic of what we're talking about and i don't think it's accidental that people report tunnels because i've been dabbling with the idea that uh you know, and even the mainstream astronomers have now said they've discovered that we're in some kind of bizarre Milky Way, uh, about 350, 400 light year, which is just about the distance to Leonis there, uh, magnetic tunnel. And that gets into some things I'm going to, you know, say for when Georgia joins us to talk about, because I've been conducting my own kind of, you know, half-hearted experiments to try to limb out the dimensions of this connection between dimensions and we have some new data which i'm going to talk about tonight halloween it's so appropriate um okay let let us let's keep up pick up on scott scott you've been on the show one time but we have new people all the time so give us a kind of a thumbnail of how did you wind up being a major professional in taking human beings back to a before time to when they lived before. Hi, Richard and everybody. I just want to say I love what I'm hearing. I think maybe I found my tribe. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well. Yeah, so I don't know how major of a professional I am, but... Well, you've been at it 20 plus years. You've got thousands of recordings and... And tonight we're going to hear two or three of them, which I think is amazing. I'm so so glad you were able to do that. Um, how did you wind up? Well, what was your what was your childhood, and how did you fall into you know reality? <laughs> Our childhood was great, just like a great American hot dogs, apple pie, Chevrolet, you know. Oh, California, California beach yeah. bums. Yes, of course. Yeah, California childhood. Um, it was great, wonderful. Uh, uh, nothing to do with any of this paranormal stuff. Um, pretty just white bread, you know, wonder bread and, like I say, hot dogs and all that. But, um, yeah, I was just always interested in, you know, magical stuff. You know, what's uh, what's behind the veil? What what are people not talking about? What's what? What is the the mysteries? I am a Scorpio. In case anybody knows uh, what that means, and so, you know, the mysteries of life and death and rebirth and those kinds of things, um, it just always appealed to me. And so, past lives and the past, I was always drawn to the past. Um, you know, as probably many little boys, I was into dinosaurs and fossils and stuff like that. We used to go hunting fossils. There's a hill close to where I lived that used to be underwater, I think, about a million years ago. And so we'd find fossils of fish and coral and stuff like that. Just really fun. So 
was always just really past-oriented. And so past lives was a natural extension of that. And so uh, I think I spoke to you a little a few weeks back about, you know, I had some personal experiences. And um, so at a certain age, I just decided, you know, I'd really like to pursue this. I'd like to, um, you know, explore my own past lives and other people's past lives and that kind of thing. And so, you know, hypnosis is one way to do it. There are many ways um, uh, as uh, Natalie might have found doing Reiki, sometimes doing massage or Reiki, past life stuff comes up or other spiritual memory stuff comes up. There are, so there are many ways to access this, just meditation. But hypnosis, hypnotherapy is a very cool way. And so I just uh, started taking trainings and um, started to learn how to do it. And then I took uh, past life trainings and life between lives trainings, and um, I started practicing. Uh, my first hypnosis teacher told me, "You need to go get an office." So I was like, <laughs> "I don't know what I'm doing. I have I have no clue." You have to have okay. a shingle on the door. <clears throat> exactly. So, so I did, and I floundered, but you know I hopefully helped a few people and just over the years hopefully learned something here and there and so yeah it's been a it's been a real wild ride and i i still really enjoy it quite a bit well thank you and uh we're i'm gonna uh, call on jonathan now because a lot of people have come and gone and you know we have turnover my i have a radio friend who used to describe radio audiences as frogs in a wheelbarrow you're rolling the wheelbarrow down a, an old dirt lane and frogs are jumping out and others are jumping in. And that was a very intriguing, you know, image for me anyway. So we have a lot of new frogs listening. So, John, what got you into this? Well, you mentioned it when you read my bio there. I was six years old and um, I had watched an episode of Lost in Space that featured uh, this 50-foot Cyclops. Danger, and, Will Robinson. Danger. Oh, my God. <laughs> Scared the crap out of me. And I go to bed, and I hear this thumping sound in, in my head. And I imagine this 50-foot beast is coming down my street. He's coming to my house, and he's coming up the drive. And now he's shrunk down to fit inside my house. He's coming down the hall toward my bedroom, and I'm growing more terrified with each passing moment. Now he's in my room, and my only hope for survival was to play, not play dead, I had to be dead. I had to convince this thing, like a bear, that I was dead, and you can just go on and look for your next meal somewhere else. So that's what I did, and after a bit, um, this thing left, and I got up and heaved a sigh of relief, and when I turned around, I saw, oh my gosh, there's somebody lying in my bed. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. It was me. So that's how it started for me, and just kind of never So it literally back. scared you bodiless. It scared me to death. <laughs> well, but you were not dead. You were just kind of, you know, you you'd, you'd vacated your local premises for a while 
Yeah, I put my body on pause, my, my body brain. When you come to Earth, you choose your body brain. That's your carrier, uh, your shell, and you select a type of brain. If you want to be a particular, you know, Rembrandt or this kind of things, you, you will actually, with the help of your guide, you select the brain body and what it's going to be like when it as it carries your soul. So, um, yeah, I've just been uh, exploring for the last 56 years and I've had some crazy experiences and I, I still have <laughs> crazy experiences and but I, I'm like Scott. I really enjoy it, and um, yeah. Okay, let me let me throw this out to everybody, and there may be different takes. So, you know, we have we have hours and hours, which is good. Um, and uh, I'll ask the same question when Georgia, you know, uh, joins us. If the if if this particular time of of the of the hour of the year, this window, this hyperdimensional conduit allows better communication between higher dimensions and the three-dimensional plane. Why is the Halloween experience depicted as this scary goblins, you know, monsters thing that's taken us over, at least in the United States, commercially, and even the, the NASA video was about, you know, being, are you scared? Not, you know, are you looking for new discoveries on this night? It was, have you ever been scared? That kind of thing. So where, where did the dark side of Halloween come from? And uh, I don't know who's best equipped to answer. So just kind of take your turns. Who wants well, to be first? I'd like to jump in there, Richard. I, I think it's... Is, is this Aaron? Yeah, sorry, it's Aaron. Uh, I think it's as simple as just fear of the unknown. You know, people are creeped out by visits from people they love who've crossed over to the other side. But, you know, as soon as you take away the body, people don't know how to relate to that. And we're, it really messes up our nice, tidy, cozy, three-dimensional material experience of life. Suddenly we're kicked into a a state of awareness that doesn't fit the narrative that we've been told and trained to. So people don't know how to deal with that. And they, they feel, I think, too, a sense of, I find this with magic as well. People are, feel this sense of powerlessness in, you know, spirits. What can they do? They can walk through walls. They can, they can show up even though they're dead. We can't uh, do that in the same way as, mortal physical beings and i think we ascribe a whole lot of um power to them even though that's absolutely not the case we have far more power being embodied than any spirit has on this plane hmm. all kinds of interesting questions who else well richard i always saw this night as it's an opportunity for us to tap into the akashic field much easier because okay, we're, this is john yeah. if you could for yeah. the first few minutes here kind of identify yourselves because remember the only way they know you on radio is how you sound so yeah we're on into a break oh that's right oh my gosh my gosh my gosh see if i don't have someone minding the store the store can crash you're on the other side of midnight my guests this morning to numerous dimension include uh, wiccans and uh 
archaeologists, paranormal experts, reincarnative uh, practitioners, and uh, just little old lonely me scientists. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. <laughs>